Well, good morning, everyone. It's been uh, really great to have been with you over recent weeks here at Woodcroft. And I've particularly found it encouraging hearing uh, lots of different stories of how people have come to know Jesus and be at this church. And my overriding impression is that uh, it's been a challenging few years with what uh, COVID has brought to our world and our households and our businesses uh, and our church here at Woodcroft. And you're not uh, alone in that. Colin and I had the great blessing of attending a national conference uh, this week with almost uh, a thousand in attendance. And it's a fairly familiar story that uh, churches right across the country uh, have found things challenging. But what I've really loved here is in the last few weeks seeing so many people's hope driven by their knowledge of God's goodness uh, to them that it seems to be translating into a fresh optimism that it's kind of now time to kind of prayerfully kind of lean into church and build each other up, uh, seek new ways to meet new people in the community and play your part uh, as Jesus does his work building his church here on earth. And I must say too, I've, always, I've also been really encouraged by having some time with Colin and Sharon in their home and Colin and I had the blessing of travelling together this week. Um, there's a real warmth and joy in them that comes from them having their security in Christ. Uh, They're self-aware, they're asking really good questions about how they can care for you and serve uh, Jesus and take the church forward. And my uh, coming away from spending a day with them a couple of weeks back, I came away, uh, I guess, really encouraged that uh, that they love each other, they love Jesus, and they love you as their church family. So please don't take that uh, for granted. Uh, keep praying for each other and for them and for your neighbours and friends who don't know Jesus. And keep asking the question, how can I grow in my love for Jesus? How can I kind of grow in my ability to uh, live a life that brings glory and honour to Him? And amongst it all, keep asking God for wisdom, to live in such times. Uh, You may have noticed there's a fair bit of instability in our world. Uh, There's real challenges on the cost of living. We had a change of government last night. There's personal challenges in many of our households. And wisdom from God, how to live well in such times, is a precious gift. And it's been encouraging too to hear from some of those who've taken up the challenge to read a chapter of Proverbs daily And there's some more uh, booklets out there for you to take if you'd uh, like to do that. And I hope you'll agree that just having a small dose daily can have a really powerful effect. We've seen together in recent weeks that the first nine chapters of Proverbs, through various means, really tries to do a sale job on us, seeking to convince us that we really need God's wisdom to live. Chapter 9 concludes with both wisdom and folly personified for us as two different women calling out for us to follow them, wisdom and folly. And to our great surprise, as we saw last week, the call from their doorway is exactly the same. Let all who are simple come to my house, they say. Yet as we saw, wisdom and folly not only have very different advice on how to live, but their motives are very different too. Wisdom calls us to live in right relationship under God with a right sense of reverence and submission to God 
and to His will for our lives, the fear of the Lord as we've been discovering, but as people confident in God's great love for us and His desire and longing to bless us. Whereas folly basically says, no one's watching, there is no God, no consequence to our actions with the intent to lead us to our downfall. Yet from where we stand, we not only have all the forces in the world trying to influence us on how we think and live, folly seeks to deceive us by masking itself as wisdom to seduce us away from the true wisdom of God. We've had uh, two whole sermons unpacking that kind of tension that I think sets up for us in uh, Proverbs. If you've missed it, you can catch up uh, online. But if you get that central tension that both wisdom and folly are kind of calling to us, seeking to persuade us, and we kind of grasp something of our own condition that uh, we can at times be easily deceived to embrace folly, which leads us to death, you get then why Proverbs, verse by verse, implores us from chapter 10 onwards to hear the wisdom of God on a whole range of topics. And understanding that life and death battle between wisdom and folly, we get why Proverbs would call us to consider what it means to have some good and godly friends and brothers and sisters in Christ to share life with. We get why Proverbs warns us against the seductive power of wealth. We get why God warns us from putting on a good show externally with hearts that are actually far from Him. And we get why we're encouraged to worship God from the heart and actually thirst for righteousness and wisdom. The way Proverbs is usually taught is uh, to pull together all the Proverbs on a certain topic. Take friendship, for example, and study those. And there is some merit in that. It does show you that Proverbs does have a lot to say on topics that are interesting to us. And also that not all Proverbs agree with each other that it takes wisdom to know when certain Proverbs apply. But my personal thought is, if God wanted us to uh, use it that way, He probably would have written it for us that way. (laughs) So if I leave anything with you from this series in Proverbs, I want you to see that there's a great benefit in reading a section or a whole chapter of Proverbs, like we will in a moment, uh, because it covers a lot of ground. I don't think we have to try and kind of assimilate it all and and make sense uh, of how it fits together. I think the variety there is a great blessing to us because sometimes you read a whole chapter and then you might just spot a bit of a theme. You might spot just one proverb that really... I was chatting to... Where's Colin? I was chatting to Colin before. No, not that Colin. There's another Colin. That Colin! (laughs) Two Colins gets confusing. I was chatting to Colin before and he was just just sort of saying, sometimes we were talking together saying, sometimes just the the simplest of sentence in Proverbs can really make you think. You can reflect back on the week just gone. You can think to the challenges that lay uh, in the day ahead. And I think that's one of the brilliance of the the sort of seeming uh, randomness uh, of Proverbs when you read a chapter. So if you've been doing the reading guides, you would have read chapters 10 to 14 uh, this week. So I thought this morning we'll just read chapter 15 together. And as we have it read to us by Emily, who can you can start coming down. Emily, that'd be great. Just see if there's any themes that you notice 
or things that jump out to you and you can share some of those insights after and Colin's going to have a microphone. So it's not a rhetorical question. Uh, do have a think uh, as, as Emily reads uh, Proverbs 15 and then we can just share a few insights. Then a super quick sermon this morning as a shorter service getting ready for AGM as well. Thanks Emily. Uh, open your Bibles if you've got them or your apps to Proverbs 15 and it'll be up on screen. Thanks Emily. <laughs> So we're reading from Proverbs 15, starting at verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord detests the way of the wicked but he loves those who pursue righteousness. Stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more do human hearts? Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them from going down to the realm of the dead. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honour.
Great, thanks, uh, Emily. Uh, were there any sort of uh, themes or ideas that jumped out to you there as you uh, read through your Bible? We'll see how we go with audience participation this morning. It could go the way of the kids' song, we don't know. <laughs> uh, speech, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Speech comes up a lot. There's lots of uh, uh, proverbs there on how we use our words. Uh, anyone else? I can see a few nods uh, around the room. Uh, anyone else spot any uh, themes or ideas or even just something that jumped out to you uh, because of your week? Yeah, the Lord loves righteousness. Yeah, there's some really strong contrasts getting set up uh, there before the ways of the wicked and those uh, desiring righteousness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amongst all the talk of... Um, you know, correction and the Lord sort of hating wickedness and things like that. There's really uh, a beautiful ideas coming through on just how much joy and a happy heart uh, can come uh, to those who pursue God. Uh, any final thoughts? That's a pretty good uh, summary so far. Discipline and correction, thank you. Yes, that was the other one I was looking uh, for as well. The, uh, yes, quite a few thoughts there on just sort of saying the wise kind of heed uh, correction and uh, rebuke, but then a strong contrast on, on fools despising, um, you know, uh, such advice. You can take a seat, uh, Colin, and uh, rest up uh, for a moment if you like. I really thought, um, you know, because of where verse 1 starts, I, noted, I, I too noticed uh, that this chapter had a lot to say about our tongue and, you know, kind of as, a, as an idea of how we use our words for good or for evil. And uh, the kind of way I use Proverbs is when those things kind of stand out to me is I think back over the last week and just sort of say, how was I when I was, you know, kind of catching up with people? How was I when I was under pressure? Uh, and think through back through the circumstances of the week or think what's kind of coming up? Like what um, scenarios will I be in? Uh, are there some where there's some relational uh, sort of tension at points? And will I be... Uh, wise in the way I use my words? Will I be wise and bring uh, peace and goodness? Or uh, will uh, my sort of anger or indignation kind of flare up, uh, bringing uh, contention uh, to those moments? So I think it's a good thing when you read through Proverbs, when you notice those themes, just to sort of think back over the week or the day just gone and think forward to the day or the week just coming. But I also want to keep encouraging you that uh, most Proverbs speak to a community, not just the individual. And you think about the way we use words, it's kind of uh, assuming we're in community because you can't speak to yourself as, uh, as uh, encouraging as it is uh, at points. <laughs> but uh, So it's to ask yourself, how, as a church family, have we been using our words to encourage one another and build each other up? How... Will the way we use words, how when we greet each other at church, uh, if we meet up uh, in, uh, to talk about the Bible through the week, as we chat over a coffee after the service, how can we use our words to build each other up? There's lots of verses there on the goodness of an apt uh, reply in that. And with that corporate view in mind, let's scan through our Proverbs 15 now uh, to see how we use our words and some of the instruction it has for us. Verse 1 shows us something we know to be true, that a gentle answer turns away wrath, 
but harsh words stir up anger. Uh, verse 2 point, puts to us, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. So that kind of makes us think, is my advice wise and where do I get that wisdom uh, from? Am I speaking God's words to one another? Uh, but it also shapes where I seek advice and it's a great thing to know in your church family, those who have been shaped over many years by God's Word and to be sharing what's going on in life, to seek wisdom from God in having it applied to us. Verse 7 shows us that there's a heart issue underlying the difference between foolishness and wisdom as we read, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. One example of a heart attitude and disposition that changes how we interact with others comes out in verse 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. I've had um, seasons in my life and including in my ministry life in recent years where my mental health's not been so great you get in very passionate about something sometimes in a meeting and, and come away and not having used my words as helpfully as I could to build uh, others up. These things happen in ministry meetings too, not just in uh, your uh, workplaces uh, as well. But I always find it's a wonderful thing to have people to show grace and kindness to me in those situations and it encourages me to use my words to build people up. <laughs> Uh, we're enticed by the great blessing of sharing life with those who pursue wisdom, of the wisdom of God. In verse 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? I'm sure you've experienced that before. You've been you know, either upset or worried about something and someone has very thoughtfully and lovingly um, applied God's word or a word of encouragement to you. And uh, Proverbs 15 encourages us to do that for one another more and more. Verse 26 tells us that gracious words are pure in God's sight. Verse 28, that the heart of the righteous weighs its answers. Uh, I always need encouragement to think uh, before uh, I speak, and I suspect many of us do too. But there's also a lot in here on how important it is to have our heart motivations right before we see, speak. Seeking to embody God's wisdom for the benefit of others in our community and in our lives. But the next question that came to my mind is why? Why is it so important for the people of God to use our words so well? Now, I want to say up front that I don't think there's some sort of secret code to unlocking each chapter of Proverbs, I think sometimes there's just a very active, spirit-given dynamic going on as we wrestle with Proverbs, looking for meaning and application. I think most of the benefit of Proverbs actually comes from spending time in them, wrestling with them for application. I think sometimes we can teach the Bible as, here's a simple truth, here's how it applies, here's a simple truth, here's how it applies, which is often not the case. I think Proverbs brings out some of the complexity of life and I think we do a lot of growth as we wrestle with them, seeking understanding as Proverbs has already encouraged us to do. For me, as I mulled over 
this passage this week and discussed it with others, I found a lot of times uh, I spent thinking, again shaped by Proverbs, about the importance of our words as we correct and discipline each other. That's one of the big themes that we spotted in Proverbs 15. It comes out quite a bit. Have a look with me at verse 5. A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Verse 10 presents a warning. Stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. Verse 12, mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. You can start to see now how some of these uh, proverbs are bouncing off each other. I'd wager that one of the reasons the heart with which we speak to each other and the manner of how we use our words and our tongues is so important is because, actually, that we all need correction, sometimes rebuke and discipline to keep us on the right track with God. Now, I don't think any of us by nature, um, I could go for a show of hands, but I'm sure not many people would put their hands up, who loves being uh, corrected or rebuked in the Christian life? I know I certainly don't. I don't think it's part of our nature. But as I reflect back on the few key times in life where out of love, a brother or sister in Christ has raised an issue with me, I would say without exception, they looked extremely uncomfortable doing so. But they pushed through that social awkwardness out of concern for me. I remember those times that there was a real authenticity to them that their hearts for Jesus rang true with their actions. And I could actually see because of the character of the person and the manner in which they approached it. They were doing this out of love. They were loving me by raising an issue for my good. And I felt really blessed that the people who took the time to do this dripped with the wisdom sort of embodied by Proverbs or dripped with the wisdom that we see Jesus uh, embodying in God's Word as well. It was gentle, it was patient, it was a timely word, well thought through and prepared, done out of a gracious heart, hence their words to me were very gracious. So sometimes I stop thinking uh, actively when I'm walking into challenging situations uh, or you know, in all sorts of situations in life, I think, if I get my heart right towards this person, chances are what comes out of my mouth will be much better, rather than spending all my time thinking, what's the perfect thing to say to them? Because I think, as we see in Proverbs, there's quite a connection between our heart and the words that come out of our mouth. So if we're being you know, judgmental and lacking in grace and we're wound up about something, it's almost impossible not to come over as that gentle, sorry, that judgmental, uh, anything but gracious person. But if we're strongly grounded in God's grace to us and we're thinking, how can I love this person? That I don't, you know, not many of us uh, like kind of correcting or rebuking others. Chances are if you like it, you're probably not going to be very good at it. (laughs) But... um, Yeah, I think there's a real connection between the heart and the words that come out of our mouth. So if you're in a situation like that, pray to God that he might help you get your heart right out of love to someone. Pray that you might be grounded in the grace of God that he's shown you and chances are I'd wager that God will answer that prayer in your words 
will be gracious and kind as well. I would say listening to good Bible teaching is important in the Christian life, yet as you think about how to strengthen God's church here at Woodcroft in the months and years ahead and to, how to grow in wisdom personally, I would encourage you to work out how to bring God's Word to bear graciously among one another in the context of relationships. As a preacher, I'm constantly aware that as careful as I might try to be to kind of target both the challenges and the comfort uh, that a passage of Scripture can bring on a Sunday, that it really needs a community of people behind it to bring it to bear in each other's lives in a more targeted way. It's a bit... I think that's one of the reasons that uh, having uh, a local preacher like uh, Colin, who knows you and loves you, is always far superior on the sort of fly-in, fly-out uh, person like myself and always much more superior than just listening uh, to, to different preachers on the internet, as much as that's a good thing to do as well. Because we need that sort of targeted application into our lives and it's good to be sharing our lives, whether it's on a, over a Bible study, a coffee or a beer, um, after church uh, chatting, whatever it is, in the context of relationships trying to bring God's Word uh, to bear for us. Because when I'm preaching to my church family at Kernel Light Gardens, I have people in mind that I'm trying to bring comfort to uh, in a passage. I want to, I know sort of how they work and uh, their struggles in their own sort of self-confidence, their struggles uh, with sin. And I want to keep encouraging them to know that Jesus... Uh, for all those who have placed their trust in him, has washed their robes white. They no longer bear sin's penalty because Christ alone has made us right with God. And yet there's other people in the community as well that I'm trying to challenge in our church family. Most uh, preachers in a, in a reasonable-sized church will have people that they're genuinely concerned about in their community who might just be coming along, going through the motions perhaps trying to keep someone else happy. And that stance actually puts you in great danger given uh, God's appointed end that he's driving this world to where an eternal and unchangeable distinction will be made between those who have had their robes washed white from sin by Jesus and those who haven't. But as a preacher, when you're trying to do all those things, uh, wise people point out to me that human nature usually dictates that the people in the room who need to hear the challenge don't actually hear it and heed the warning. And on the flip side, perhaps most of those who need comfort um, uh, because they know Jesus, they've placed in their trust in him who need encouragement, sometimes hear the warning which can cause them further worry. So as you seek to build Trinity Church Woodcroft after a few challenging years for church communities like this around the world, be the people who speak and encourage one another and sometimes take the slightly painful effort to pray, think and correct one another with God's word out of great love for one another. It's a great church-building exercise. Be the people who speak God's word into each other's lives because preaching alone cannot do that. Growth groups, is that what you call them here, Colin? Yep, they're not the only way to do that. 
but they are a tangible, repeatable way to set aside some time in your week to build each other up by the Word of God and importantly, allow people to get to know you, to form relationships of trust where you can bring forth issues and be challenged and corrected together. As the wise do, as Proverbs 15 puts before us. And as we do so, there is great joy and encouragement in applying God's wisdom well amongst one another. So take Proverbs lead and embrace gracious words together, words of correction, words of gentleness, words of patience, as together you grow in love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we apply the great news of the gospel of God's grace to us in Jesus to one another, bringing healing, bringing mending, bringing joy, bringing hope. As I said, there's different ways to do that. But if you're sitting here today thinking, I don't need that kind of one another encouragement, it's folly. I would go as far as to say it's a great act of self-harm. As verse 31 and 32 make clear, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home amongst the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Life is difficult at points, and sometimes we feel that more than others. Not only do we face our world's challenges common to all, but we face great external pressure to give up following Jesus and we also face a concerted campaign of evil to lure us away from Jesus as well. We live in a world where evil does seem to prosper for a time and God's people are often beaten down, harassed and feeling fragile. How great it is then to read verse 3 of Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God sees, God knows. I often find the saddest moments come from when you hear of stories, and there's been many of late uh, from around the world where things have gone on in the church that is not sort of kind of focused on God, it's self-centered. It's been an exercise in abusing power for gain rather than serving others for their good. And I find verse 8 a great encouragement, but also a warning to myself to check the motivations of my heart and repent wholeheartedly of um, uh, ill intentions at points. When I inevitably see things in my own life and in the lives of others that I know aren't right. This great sort of challenge of verse 8, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. When you see those who oppose God prevailing and look inside your own heart knowing your own sin and long to be free of it and you can see over time through something like using Proverbs well you're kind of thirsting for righteousness to grow, verse 9 is great to hear. The Lord loves those who pursue righteousness. And not only does God love those who thirst after him, he's a good God who not only opposes the proud, yet, verse 25, protects the vulnerable, setting the widow's boundary stones in place. 
is the turn of phrase there. He brings life to those who seek after him with integrity. Verse 27, he hears the prayer of the righteous, verse 29. There's much benefit in our life today in pursuing God's wisdom and understanding. It helps us keep a straight course in life. Verse 21, the advice of the wise brings success. But there's also much benefit for all eternity in accepting correction. Being part of a community like this that lovingly speaks wisdom into each other's life, as verse 24 makes clear. The path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them from going down to the realm of the dead. Uh, As I kind of leave you at this point, I want to encourage you, the more you spend your time in Proverbs the more you'll see as you read of Jesus' actions and words in the Gospels, just how soaked in the wisdom of God Jesus really is. He is God's wisdom personified. His words are therefore Proverbs soaked. And after you spend time in Proverbs, you just can't help but notice it. And with great joy, we catch glimpses of Jesus in the Proverbs too. I can't but think of Jesus and my heart sings with joy, verse 30, when I read, light in the messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. I'd encourage you to have Proverbs regularly in your Bible reading rotation and if you haven't uh, taken the daily reading guide yet, please do so. There's three more weeks of daily readings that will take you all the way through Proverbs and just Take the challenge, see how it prepares you for the day, how it helps you reflect on the one just gone. You can do it in your home and uh, talk about it with others if you have others there. Or if you live alone, you might catch up with someone on the phone or for a coffee during the week to discuss. And after you've finished reading all the way through Proverbs, through to Proverbs 30 and 31, uh, I have uh, done a sermon that I have uh, preached elsewhere on that and I'll send it through to Colin but I won't get him to send it out this week. Take the reading challenge for the next three and then you can listen to one more sermon on how Proverbs closes in Proverbs 30 and 31. And after that, I'd encourage you, as I said, to read through a gospel account of Jesus' life again. And I think with new eyes, you will see Jesus as God's wisdom personified. Our Lord and Saviour who came to die on the cross for your sins in mind, so that we can find the very wisdom of God and find life in his name today and for eternity. I'll close our time in prayer. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you uh, that both for the new reader and the person who's been reading your word for decades, we can find new insights into your nature, your character, your goodness to us. Thank you for the way that Proverbs seeks to persuade us to pursue your wisdom for all of our days and find wisdom and find life and blessing and joy. Uh, Please help us to spot and to reject folly and not to go through this life alone, uh, but participate in the great joy of being a local family of believers, speaking your words into each other's lives with great accuracy, with great love, with great grace and great concern for one another, that we might pursue your wisdom and find life. And it's in Jesus' precious and very powerful name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite Richard up uh, to continue.